like one of his examples of how quickly your brain makes those decisions. So if you're walking down the street and you hear somebody holler and you look over there and then you realize it wasn't for you and you go back to what you're doing, you know, your brain caught that and then ignored it that quickly. And that's mm -hmm. what can happen with opportunity and with different things. Right. If you haven't been, if you haven't conditioned your mind to recognize something specific. Welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing, a show where I share my personal journey and the challenges I face as an investor. I invite industry experts to share their wisdom and advice to help me overcome these adversities with the hope that it'll help you on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Sawad Ghimire, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing. Uh, in today's episode, we're lucky to have Timothy Seabrook. Uh, and we're really going to dive into mindset and goal setting today. Uh, with that, Timothy, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are in your real estate investing journey? Yeah, so um, I live up in Fort St. John's, the northern BC. I've been here about uh, 10 years, born and raised in Northern Alberta, so it's uh, not too far from home. But uh, yeah, I used to, uh, I, was, I was in flying helicopters at the time when I first was getting into real estate. I ended up getting involved with a networking, network marketing company. And that was where I got introduced to, to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the whole idea of building residual income. And uh, that kind of started the desire to get into investing. And I think the thing that made it something that I really wanted to do or needed to do was uh, as an employee, it's really easy to get into the mindset if you feel like you're not making enough money that you should be making more, right? They sh you, you deserve more you're, you're, uh, and you're kind of, you end up complaining a lot to your employer that they should be paying you more money. And I remember realizing that uh, one of the advantages of a free market is that you have the ability to negotiate a higher price. And it's not up to your employer to, to figure out how to pay you more. It's up to you to figure out how to get paid more. Yeah. And uh, so once it cut, you know, kind of made the mind shift that it's actually up to me to figure out how to do mm -hmm. better if I'm not feeling like where I'm at. And uh and then kind of couple that along with when it comes to negotiation, the person who needs it is the person who gets the short end of the stick. The person who doesn't need it usually gets the better end of the deal. So I realized I was in a bad spot because I needed my job. So that was kind of the thing that got me where I needed some kind of backup um, so that I didn't need my job so that I could negotiate a lot better. So those are kind of the things that got me initially uh, right. down that road. And I mm -hmm. first went into stock market. I did a couple courses, mentorship, stuff like that. Um, but I found it hard to kind of couple that with my flying because we do a lot of remote work. And so when things go wrong in the markets, you need to kind of jump on it. And I'd be in the flying down somewhere, just ready. I'd land in the bush somewhere and I'd get a notification that something was going south. So, uh, You'd land on the ground and spend the next couple hours wondering what happened and get up in the air again and check your messages and see how much you lost. <laughs> but real estate at first, I didn't really think it was something I could get into just because I didn't have enough capital for a down payment. And it's a very uh, typical assumption if you don't know much about real estate investing is that you need 
um, you know, you need a significant amount of money in order to get started. And uh, I ended up uh, getting uh, coming across a Facebook ad or something for a little real estate mastermind course. And it was in Edmonton. And a friend of mine who I know also did a little bit of investing. He hadn't taken much courses. He, I think he'd taken one or two. Um, but he had, you know, over the years worked himself up to a couple of rental properties. And so I asked him if he'd want to go with me. And so we went to the little mastermind and, uh, they were of course selling their further education. And he was, he was thinking, you know, I asked him afterwards, what do you think of the idea? And he's like, well, I think it'd probably be worth it. So my thoughts were, if he's already been into real estate, he's got a handful of properties and he thinks it's worth it, then it's probably definitely worth it for me. So we ended up going together and doing courses together. And, uh, that was kind of where I started real estate. And that's where I found out about working with people, um, mindset and all those necessary things it takes to get going in real estate. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I know you mentioned rich dad, poor dad. I think that that's the mm -hmm. case for most people, you know, where yeah. you have that shift in mindset. Um, yeah. so, uh, where are you now in your real estate investing journey? Oh, so yeah, right now. So that was, uh, about, um, 2017, 2018, kind of over the winter when I did those courses, uh, did a mentorship mm -hmm. through the summer of 2018 and uh, got our first property. Um, I think it was August of 2018. And, uh, so since then I was still working at the time. So we did, uh, I, did, I would do a couple deals a year on average, uh, for a few years there. And, uh, so this last year I went full time, uh, mm -hmm. and just kind of made the jump into it. It wasn't quite paying the bills yet, but I knew if I made the jump into it, there's a high likelihood that I can get there pretty quickly. Right. So, uh, I was looking through my stuff here. We've in, I guess that's basically four years from 2018 to right now. And, uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've sold a couple, but we've done, uh, 10 deals in that much time. And most of that was while I was working. I so see. definitely and, uh, way more than I could have done with, uh, just on my own. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, if you, so you sold, it said you've sold a couple, so you, you probably own six, seven, eight, somewhere in that yeah, ballpark. Yeah. In that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, and everything, uh, everything is with the joint venture partners. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to ask that actually, you, you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, f folks typically think that it's, you need a lot of money for down payment or, you know, you need to have the whole 20%, for example. Uh, I was going to ask you, how did you finance? Well, your first deal and have you been financing deals since? Yeah. Yeah. It once, once you learn how to do joint ventures, there's not really a reason not to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll probably get into that a lot more further on too, but, uh, it, cause it comes into a bit of mindset is to, to right. open up your mind to be doing things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the challenges of investing in the stock market, which is why you transitioned into real estate. Uh, mm -hmm. when you did make that transition to real estate, what are some of the challenges you faced there, especially early on when you first got started with that first deal? Could you describe yeah. a little bit, you know, uh, the challenges you face and how you overcame those? Well, yeah, real, real estate is definitely a lot more, um, personal and business related. You know, stock market is just computer, you know, you're clicking buttons and, uh, it's just math and, uh, it's right. relatively, um, 
there's not a lot of personal growth. Like you have to kind of be a bit dedicated to make sure you stick into your plan. But with real estate, there's definitely a lot more personal growth. You have to really get into sales. You have to learn how to, how to sell. If you're going to get into it, you have to learn to work with people, how to manage. Um, but then that also goes into the plus side. One of the big plus sides, what I really like about real estate is when things go sideways, you have full control of the company and you can right. be creative and come up with solutions to the problem where a stock market is just need in or out pretty much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned networking, you know, uh, real estate, it's, it's very important. Uh, mm-hmm. You you mentioned the mastermind that you went to. Are there other things that you did to help yourself grow your network? Do you have, I guess, tips for newer investors on what they should be doing to network? Um, yes, yeah, so networking is very important because um, real estate is a, a team a team sport. You'll get much further working together than you will alone. And uh, the I would say like when I went to that mastermind, there was other courses that they had that I ended up going to and going to those courses and networking with all your classmates was a really good way to get started. And that was definitely a big boost for me because my first uh, two, two, three deals I did with my classmates. So that gave me, you know, we're learning together. Uh, you know, we both know we're new and we're both finding new deals. Rather than, you know, trying to be somebody new and then trying to, to do a deal with somebody that's, you know, never even taken the course before or, you know, they've already got lots of properties and, you know, they probably know a lot more than you. It's kind of hard to do. But if you're both on the same page, I found that was a big boost. Uh, you know, you could do your first few deals with your classmates. You learn together. You're much more understanding and you're just doing it together, having fun. And uh, once you get through that, now you've got some experience and you can start talking to those people that uh you know that you wouldn't have wouldn't have been an easy as easy to approach so that was a huge thing i also did a number of mentorships so with that program you could also work with um uh, i did like a three-day person mentorship in person so i had an investor come with me for three days we went and just did real estate stuff we made offers we looked at places uh so just getting out there and experiencing it uh, you know, talking to real estate investors, uh, planning, mindset, goal setting, <laughs> all those kinds of things. Um, and I also did a, a uh, I think it was a three-month or four-month mentorship where I talked to an investor once a week and we kind of planned the next week. I went and did it and then reported back and we discussed it and then went forward. And having somebody there when you have a question and you're out talking to people to come back to with the questions was also huge because it gives you that confidence to go and do things that you may not know entirely, but you know, you have somebody you can go talk to and you can, you can do that by, um, you know, working with someone or if you may have friend, a friend that knows what they're doing, you can kind of bug them. But I found there was a bit of freedom there when you pay for the mentorship, you don't feel bad about using their time because you bought it. You might as well use it. So you're a lot more open to just asking questions and, and bugging them about it and not feeling bad. And I found that was that was really nice too. Cause it, and having that person behind you driving you to do the next step, like um, that was definitely what got me my first deal that year was because of the things my mentor put in place, told me to do, and I wound up with a deal. And uh, I probably wouldn't have got a deal on my own until much later if I was without that mentorship. So I think mentorship is is definitely if you want to go somewhere and you want to do it quickly, um, is definitely worth it. 
you still end up yeah. doing all the work. It still is a lot of work, but you get that push behind you. Yeah, and I, I just want to emphasize that because that that's uh, you know, as newer investors or you know, someone who is new in any field, really, uh, mm. you're you're first hesitant on you know finding a mentor. Um, especially if it, it, the mentorship involves some sort of fee to get in, uh, or a membership to be a part of. Uh, and yeah. a lot of people are overwhelmed by that fact and they, they can't get over it. But, uh, I've found I'm in mentorship program myself and it has helped me tremendously. And, uh, the way you have to look at it is that, you know, you invest a little bit of money, but the results that you get from it would are, you know, you know, two, three X, what you would have accomplished on your own in that time frame. So uh, I'm not saying all mentorship programs are good or all mentors are good, but if you find the right one, I think it, it can uh, definitely help you significantly on your journey. So uh, yeah, I just definitely. wanted to mention that to folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess my next question was going to be, was there one key factor that has helped you become successful? Um, and I don't know if you've already answered that, but I'll let you yeah, yeah, if probably something we um, haven't mentioned. Yeah, I would say um, education. That's probably the biggest, right. yeah. definitely the biggest factor. And uh, and um, yeah, having the the mentorships there to keep you moving forward was definitely yeah. a big part. Um, I, and I, I also think like like to expound on what you were saying there about finding the right mentor. I definitely feel like I lucked out and came had some really good solid foundation for my mentors, and I've noticed it when I'm talk to when I talk to you know I'm networking and talking to other investors, and if they've taken courses from other places, I'll notice little differences where in the way that they think this. Like, um, uh, a big one is goal setting. Uh, I've talked to some people that have taken courses, um, like say strictly in multifamily. There's a few companies out there that do really good multifamily. And they kind of set up, okay, here's how you do multifamily. You know, you look for this type of criteria, you look for this criteria, and you should wind up with about this per door. And they have a really good setup. Um, but right. when you talk to the investor, uh, it's uh, when I start talking about goal setting or what do you, you know, what are you wanting to do, where are you wanting to go? They're thinking, well, I'm just hoping I can get about this many properties instead of starting with, well, where do you actually want to end up? And is that the type of properties that you should even be looking for? Yeah. Right. It, it kind of ends up being, well, you know, just hoping that it's going to get you to where you want to go rather right. than actually knowing where you want to go, breaking that down steps and actually figuring out, okay, what's actually going to be about my best road there. Cause yeah. for one person that might be multifamily for another person, they might need to do some other strategy first. Right. And so um, I think having the right mentor and the right mindset behind that is, is important. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great segue. Let's just, you know, dive right into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with mindset, right? Um, so, you know, I guess a lot of folks, when you say mindset, may not know what you're referring to. Like, so let's start with defining it. Like, what does it really mean? And, and why is it important? I think like um, Rich Dad Poor Dad is definitely a good foundation for mindset, talking about the difference between the, the rich, rich mindset, and the poor mindset, um, which kind of be you know, basically correlated to scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. Um, my, uh, one of my first instructors I had, had a very good, uh, when, when he was teaching the courses, he would go through, here's all the different sayings you hear. And so every once in a while he'd say, okay, here's another saying, write it down and write down. Here's the common saying, and here's what we're going to change it to. 
And uh, the first mindsets that really changed a lot for me were around time and the understanding of money. You know, the time is money type idea. Uh, that's, you know, a very common mindset. And yeah, I remember he changed that one to time is everything. Right. Because money you can get more of and have less of. Time is the one thing that you have a certain amount. A poor person has the same amount as a rich person. Right. It's not how much time you have. The only difference is how you use that time. And being very and figuring out, you know, exactly what does your time need to be worth to get to where you need it to go. Mm -hmm. And don't spend your time doing things that don't meet that number. And, you know, being willing to willing to share the wealth around to other people, pay them to do things, uh, you know, and because you, you need teams in order to leverage your time to that degree. And so really, uh, it, it almost comes down to defining a value for yourself and sticking to it and not getting caught up in undervalued things. Uh, you know, that there's plenty of other, plenty of people that are happy to do those things. So uh, those are definitely big mindset, mindset shifts. Or, yeah. And uh, so I think there's, it's, it's not so much a, a wrong mindset versus right mindset, because I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with not making a lot of money or not being rich. But if you do want to get there, there's definitely a mindset you're going to have to learn to get there. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know if Robert Kiyosaki mentions this in his Rich Dad Poor Dad book, but I know this is a phrase he coins a lot is where, you know, he talks about the two sides of the coin, right? He'll say, you know, there's the heads, there's the tails, and he likes to be on the third side, which is the edge, and he wants to know, you know, what's happening on both sides, and he makes his decision uh, mm -hmm. based on what he observes. So, you know, uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a right and a wrong mindset, but I think it's definitely important to be aware of all the different perspectives and understand those perspectives and then you take all that information and then you make your own judgment and your own decision on yeah. uh, your personal views and what you want to do with your life. Um, and, you know, a quick segue here, that was kind of something I feel like I made a mistake of, right? So I think when I first started my investing journey or my journey to financial freedom, uh, I was very focused in the stock market and, you know, dumping all my money in the S&P 500 and I'm going to do the Mr. Money Mustache thing. And I kept hearing, hey, real estate's a lot of work. Do you really want to manage it? And so I never really dove into real estate until this year. And I understood all the benefits and the power under you know, behind real estate investing. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's one of my biggest regrets is if I had just spent some time educating myself, learning about this different yeah. side of investing, this different vehicle of investing, um, I would have made a better decision much sooner in my life. Uh, so I think that's, that's one of my biggest lessons is, uh, you know, just education. It goes back to education, just educate yourself in all the different ways, all the different benefits. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah. what was a significant mindset shift that you made in your own life? Was it a lot, like you mentioned, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, was that the biggest mind shift, uh, that, that mindset was definitely, shift? Yeah, that was definitely a big one. That also correlates mm -hmm. with the, you know, abundance versus scarcity mindset. Right. Right. Uh, realizing that there is more than enough opportunity out there. And, right. um, and that's where, uh, 
might be kind of jumping ahead, but I think goal setting is important to that. And I might get into mm-hmm. that once we talk about goal setting, but, um, that, that is an important part of getting to where you want to go is identifying where you want to go and not just getting, <laughs> right. just kind of getting pushed along through life and actually having a bit of a direction that you're heading. Right. Um, um yeah, as it, yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. I was going to say, uh, you know, as I just mentioned, right, like the whole stock market versus real estate investing in yeah. myself, you know, not spending the time educating myself, uh, that kind of leads into, you know, now I am a, a, you know, a real estate investor. I understand, you know, the benefits of real estate investing, but, you know, similar to how I didn't know about real estate before, I don't know what I don't know. Right. Uh, so as a real estate investor, how do I figure out, you know, is there another mindset shift that I need to make? Uh, you know, how do I figure that out? How do I go about making that shift? Do you have any advice on that? Um, I think, I think that kind of goes back to, um, one of the reasons why I think goal setting is important is because you need to open your mind up to possibilities and kind of identify what those possibilities might look like so that you become aware of them when they come past. Um, There's a a thing I always think about. um, I was reading a book uh, called How to Pitch Anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a book about negotiation and and pitching. But in there, he he kind of goes into how the brain works and what you're dealing with. And he talks about the three levels of your brain, how you have the uh, you know, your reptilian, your, your most mm-hmm. basic part of the brain that's sorting all the information's coming in because you have so many sights and sounds and everything that's being bombarded. And the purpose of that part of the brain is to sort everything and determine, you know, your fight flight response. Is there everything, anything you right. need to be scared of? Um, and it basically ignores everything else unless there's a specific reason that it's got a trigger that that thing might be interesting to you. And I like one of his examples of how quickly your brain makes those decisions. So if you're walking down the street and you hear somebody holler and you look over there and then you realize it wasn't for you and you go back to what you're doing, you know, your brain caught that and then ignored it that quickly. And that's mm-hmm. what can happen with opportunity and with different things. Right. If you haven't been, if you haven't conditioned your mind to recognize something specific. And so that's one of the things I think is super important with goal setting is going through that process of identifying what you might be interested in so that the reptilian type of your brain that it the part of your brain that is sorting through everything that you come in contact with every day will pick up and help you notice that thing. And it's the same effect that's going on when you go car shopping and you see a new model or a make or a color of the car that you haven't seen before. And then all of a sudden it's everywhere. And it wasn't yeah. that it's just showed up. It's just because there was that, because your attention was on it for that little bit of time. Now your brain realizes that you might be interested in that. And it starts pointing that out to you throughout your day. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about goal setting is just not necessarily coming up with how you're going to get there, but identifying that you're looking for something like this so that when that opportunity happens by you, you, you pick up on it. Got it. Okay. Um, I think, you know, on the topic of mindset, uh, one of the things uh, I struggled with until recently was uh, financing deals, right? So I had 
you know, I mentioned I was on this journey of putting all my money in the S&P 500. So I was on this journey for a while and I had saved up mm-hmm. some amount of money. So I used that to fund my first two purchases. And then I ended up in a position where I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of out of money. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I thought I couldn't scale faster. So this is kind of why I sought out my mentorship program that, and like, you know, I, I wanted more confidence in like the deals I was doing. Um, so one of the first things I learned from my mentor is that I was focused on the wrong thing, right? Um, I was focused on how am I going to finance it, but I didn't even have the deal. Uh, so, you know, he emphasized to me, don't worry about the money. Money is out there. There are lots of people with money that are looking for ways to invest, right? It's the deal that's important. You have to find the right deal. If you find a really good deal, there will be people lining up with their money to, you know, invest with you. And so, you know, that's also a mindset shift. So I think one of, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, how do I know what I don't know? I think, you know, mentorship is probably one of the best ways, you know, find someone out there who's already doing what it is you're trying to do and learn from them. And, you know, uh, mentorship doesn't, you know, you don't have to learn only from one person. You don't have to have just one mentor. And I think there are different yeah. phases where, you know, in the beginning, you have a certain mentor, you probably learn all you can learn from that person. Then you go on, you find a mentor who's doing something, yeah. you know, a little yeah, bit more I mean, challenging, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like me, even, even five years into my journey, I have a, a year long mentorship. I'm doing great now with, uh, with another investor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the best ways to, f- uh, figure out, uh, you know, the kind of mindset shifts, but I yeah. think, you know, though this was a mindset shift, you know, that I, I, uh, I heard from my mentor and, you know, he told me, you know, this is how you should think about it. You know, deep down in the back of my mind, there's still, okay, what if I find a deal? How do I finance it? And I still mm-hmm. constantly worry about this, even though I know I can probably figure something out. So for folks yeah. like that, you know, who have this fear, do you have any recommendations on like, how to overcome these fears? Is it experience or is it, I, I don't know what it is that. Um, a, a bit of it comes down to what I've learned is um, it's, it's a lot like sales where, mm-hmm. you know, there's people out there that will be willing to work with you and finance deals with you. You do need to talk to enough people for sure. You need to network and talk to a lot of people in order to mm-hmm. find those couple of people that you need to start with. Yeah. So, you know, don't get discouraged by a couple of people saying no, because you mm-hmm. only need one or two to get started. So yeah. talk to a hundred people, talk to a couple hundred people, and most of them will say no off the bat, but you only need a couple to get started. And it's, it's all about numbers and it's, it's, that's where the sales game comes into it. You just got to keep going. Right. Yeah. And, and I think w- w- while we're on the subject of mindsets, um, just kind of thinking through another mindset. I don't really think of it as a mindset change because it was just learning about something I didn't know anything about. That's just understanding how economy and money works. And Rich Dad Poor Dad gets into that a bit, but it's something that I find fun and really interesting. So I don't really think of it as a hard mindset shift, but it definitely changes how how we do things. You know, understanding the difference between um, what's the difference between uh, money and value because those things are very tightly related, but they are different. You know, what exactly is value? And, you know, understanding that wealth is created. You know, when you create value, you're creating wealth. And that is not directly related to money, even though that's how we measure it. Right. And um, and even just understanding how business works. And that was something that 
was kind of with one of my first invest in, of investing mentors. He uh, basically when he, he said with real estate, because um, it, it's easy to kind of focus on real estate and say real estate is the is really good and it does have lots of good things. But what you do in real estate can actually be done with a lot of other things too. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate is a really good place to learn about it, and it has like so many of the best features all in one package. It makes it really good. But uh, value and wealth creation comes from solving problems and helping people out with problems. And that was something that was definitely uh, a mindset shift that I was taught that really helps keep your brain in the right space when you're working with people is to be out there solving problems. And one of the sayings we had was, if you're not solving somebody's problem, why are you expecting to get paid? And when you're negotiating, it's so easy to get out into uh, you know, trying to figure out what's in it for yourself and just being worried about the dollars and cents. And I think part of the trap to that is if you start thinking only about yourself, you start reducing the value that you're providing and you'll actually reduce the amount that they're willing to pay you because you're not focused on solving their problem. You're focused on what you're getting out of it. So I think that's a really healthy mindset to keep. And that kind of goes into business. And I think with real estate, there's kind of two parts to it because there is the investing side of it, but there's also the business side of it. And so when you're, when you are, you know, buying real estate with no money down, what you're actually doing is you're starting a real estate business. And just like any business that you're going to start coming up with systems and relationships with other contractors and all your different people that do work and hiring people to help and automating things, which is how you build a business that you could actually, uh, your, your big B business that Robert Kiyosaki talks about is the same skill sets that you need to have when you're starting a real estate business. And you don't want to get stuck in the self-employed spot where, uh, you know, the, the business has to run or will only run when you're there. And I, I, that's definitely a trap that you can get into with real estate where you become so key in what you're doing that, you know, it doesn't run without you. You have to be there. And so it almost tends to be like the self-employed where you own a job again, but to actually take the, your step, your business one step further and turn it into the big B business where you actually have people and processes and everything automated. And so that's kind of the business side of real estate investing. And that's not just real estate, that's business in general. And then the investing side of it, um, the problem, the big problem really that investing is solving is finance. You know, uh, if you're employed, you are solving, you know, problems that you can fix with your hands usually or with your mind power. Your business, you're taking uh, a problem of supply and manufacturing or whatever it is you're doing, and you're making a system that supplies that service to people, uh, you know, at a, at a reasonable price. And business is a lot about efficiency, right? How efficiently can you provide a service so that you're doing it for cheaper than what you're selling it for, but your price is still a benefit to your customer because they're, they can buy for cheaper than what it would cost them to do it themselves. And that's the basis of business. And investing really comes down, it's financing. It's how to uh, let people use your money mm-hmm. without losing it in the process. Or how to let people right. use your money and your time without losing it in the process. And that's something that can be done with anything. And it, um, But with real estate, you have that inherent advantage that you're working with something that you can hold as collateral. And that's you know one of the big advantages to real estate. If you're doing it with cars or if you're doing it with... Um, you know, any other kind of equipment or supplies, uh, 
it's harder to, it's not as easy to secure your money in those situations as it is with real estate. And that's one of the big advantages. And you don't have the, the regularity of the appreciation. So there's definitely advantages to real estate, but the basic idea of what you're doing as an investor, you could do it in, in anything, but you're just choosing real estate because it has a few, di few different advantages to it. Um, so I just kind of lost my train of where I was going with all that, but <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um, I think uh, let's dive into goal setting. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, I would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would help get the podcast in front of more people so that they can also get value out of it. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. I'm, I'm very excited about this um, topic, actually, you know, as we're nearing New Year's. I know, you know, goal setting should be, it's, it's important throughout the year. And a lot of people, you know, they fall off the tracks after 90 days. But uh, it is timely that, you know, we're talking about this now um, because this is something that I'm working on myself, right? So I'm setting my own personal goals this year. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about this topic. So let's start with talking about why is goal setting important? Um, it just comes down to planning where you're going. So you have a place to start, I think. Right. Um, and I think this is something that I kind of learned from my flying career. Cause you know, as a pilot, you got to plan your flight, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's where we're going to, here's where we're planning to stop. Here's what, uh, you know, here's what we're, what we're going to do per day. Here's the projected speeds and it never goes according to plan. Yeah. But the plan is important to kind of set your way to your next spot. But then you hit weather, um, mm -hmm. you hit wind, and things change. And you and not reach not not exactly following the plan is not really the intention, right? Right. But it's what you need to do in order to finally actually hit your destination. And how you get there might be different. So I don't necessarily beat myself too much about it if I don't exactly follow my plan, because yeah. the plan is what you need to get going. Mm -hmm. and and kind of start down the path but there's so many variables that you couldn't can't anticipate or don't know about that right. the plan is going to change so it has to have some a, a part of flexibility to it but it is really important to know you know have an idea when you're in that situation okay you know there's nothing there's no external forces pushing me in a direction right now so which way am i going and then you go back to your plan and it's got your next mm -hmm. step for you right yeah uh yeah. no that's awesome uh so as I'm going through this exercise of, you know, setting goals for myself, do you have certain strategies or formulas that you use uh, for setting goals? Like, is there uh, a way you'd recommend for me to think about it uh, as I'm setting my goals? Yeah, one, one of my favorite questions is um, the question, if uh, you didn't have to worry about money, you had enough money to do anything you wanted, what would you do? And I feel like that's a really important question because it removes money from the equation. Because so many times you do, you make decisions based on the money you have. And that becomes such right. an important factor of your decision making. And so you don't want money to be the driving force of what's, of what's pushing you to do things. And so asking that question removes money from the equation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a lot of times I think the thing that you would be doing if you had a lot of money doesn't necessarily take as much money as you thought. Right. 
And so you don't necessarily have to become a multimillionaire or a billionaire even to hit those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times it's really easy for your goal to be based on money. And starting back from a, even an early, like as an employee, um, I remember realizing that so much of my goals and my ideas about how life was going to go was based around my job. You know, it was kind of this assumption that I'm going to have to have a job. So I'll try to find Mm -hmm. a job that I like doing and it has a decent schedule so I can plan my life around it. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, and I think that's even a thing if you to take that one step further, say if you had all the money in the world and you didn't need a job, so it kind of removes almost two things. You're moving the money and the time requirement to actually think about Mm -hmm. what is you actually would like to do. And, uh, and then you can, you know, I think that I really like that question because it removes those two equations from your decision making. And I would, to be honest, I would say it took me at least a couple of years before I even had an answer for that mm-hmm. because, you know, money and what I'm going to do for a living had been so ingrained into my thought process and behind mm-hmm. every decision that I make to start thinking about what would I do if I didn't, if I had all the money I needed and didn't need a job. It was right. kind of mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I went through this exercise and I still go through this exercise, you know, mm-hmm. every once in a while, you know, I've started when I thought about financial freedom and what I would do with my life. And so it's, it's kind of evolved over time. I, I feel like I've gotten to know myself a little bit better. Initially it was like, you know, I'm going to quit my job. I'm just going to, do nothing, just hang out kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. it evolved into uh, myself learning about um, learning about myself and uh, realizing that I probably wouldn't be able to just sit still for me. You know, uh, I, I'm, I tend to be ambitious. I like building things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if I had all the time in the world, I'd probably fo- be focused on growing businesses and that sort of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think that's definitely an important exercise to do. Uh, one of my biggest fears uh, when I'm setting goals is, uh, I'm, I guess, um, not sure if my goals are too small or too large, right? I, am I underestimating how much I can accomplish? Uh, or, you know, are they too high and too unachievable? And I'm just going to end up you know, failing and disappointing myself. Um, and, you know, this probably ties into mindset uh, and having that right mindset so you can set the right goal. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Like, how should someone go about finding a goal that's just right? You know, like the Goldilocks goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. So that's not, I've never really thought of it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely have push myself to, you know, the things that I think are a little, are, that are achievable to make sure mm-hmm. my goals are a little bit ahead of those. Um, so I, I do think it's, it's important not to under, under goal set and to over goal yeah. set. Um, but I think like if you tend to over goal set, and then if you, I think you probably figure that out when you start breaking it down into steps. You know, and if, you know, you might end up needing to extend your timeline or, you know, going and looking at other options. Um, But I think really the limit to your goals just comes down to your imagination anyway. Right. So, and, and at some, at at some point, it's not a competition on who has the biggest goals, Right. you know, but it's, what is it you want? What's, what's your goal? 
and and uh, you know if it's a little bit more on the ambitious side, it might take a little longer. But you'll kind of figure that out when you start breaking it down into the steps of how you how you might get there. And a lot of that, I think, comes back to uh, just the thought process. You know, as you go through the planning, maybe your goal changes a little bit. And I think it's it's a fluid thing, and it's not mm-hmm. something necessarily that needs to be set in stone. But it's a yeah. it's a very important process to go through process of getting to where you actually want to go yeah i i think i think that's a that's a great tip actually so you know um you set your goals you kind of reflect on them on an ongoing basis uh and you can adjust them you know as you should be reflecting on them on Mm -hmm. an ongoing basis right and you can change them as you see your progression uh it doesn't have to be set in stone but uh yeah i i think that's a that's a good tip um while I have you here, mm-hmm. um, I thought we'd take this time to maybe go through some of the goals I've set for my own business, right? And get your feedback yeah. on like my thought process around it. Um, and, you know, uh, if I'm missing anything, if I should be thinking about things a little bit differently. Uh, so yeah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I currently have two properties. One is a triplex in Seattle that I'm house hacking. I live in one of the units and the other two, I am doing short-term rentals. So, uh, they're on Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a single family home being built in Florida right now. That's uh, going to be a long-term rental. So it's a build to rent, um, that I bought. And so that's going to be a long-term rental and it's mm-hmm. projected to cash flow a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, so I think you, one of your earlier questions was, you know, where is it that you're trying to go, you know? And so uh, thinking about this myself, my goal has been, uh, Hey, I think I want to quit my job, uh, and be financially free by the end of 2024. So, you know, that gives me two years. So I have a mm-hmm. time frame. I have a, a goal of, uh, I guess the ultimate goal of being able to quit my job by then. Um, I know my expenses are somewhat lower right now just because I'm on this grind. I'm on the journey to financial freedom. But when I do retire or I, you know, I'm financially free, I don't want to have to, you know, uh, think too much about being very strict with my budgeting. So I gave myself a little bit of flexibility. So I, I thought, you know, maybe I'd like to spend about $10,000 a month. You know, that, that, you know, is probably a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, but then I also want to continue growing my real estate. So I want to fund that somehow. So I basically took that. I doubled it. I got, you know, about 22,000 a month is what I think, you know, I, I, it's a ballpark number, right? It's like, Hey, this is what I think I should aim for. Uh, and I want to grow my business where it's producing about $22,000 a month in cash flow steady, steadily before I call it quits. Um, before I dive any further into my goals. What are your initial thoughts on that thought process? And um, do you have any feedback of, you know, those numbers, I guess? Yeah. yeah so um, I guess my first thought on that would be, um, we we're talking about earlier about the mindset of, you know, how am I going to finance this? And okay. having that buffer of, okay, I need 10 to 11,000, but I want to have the extra 10,000 for financing is really a financing question. Right. And you don't necessarily need that money when you have partners. Got it. Yeah. So if you have partners that you're investing with all the time, um, really, you just need to look for that first $10,000 cash flow goal. Because 
there's way more than $10,000 a month available with joint venture partners or business partners. So, um, I, I think that, uh, you could probably hit your goal of the 10 to 11,000 a month and just continue that projection of, uh, investing in real estate just by having partners. And that's going to keep increasing your cash flow. And then you're going to be ending up looking for other things to throw that money at anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, it, you know, going through the process of learning how to work with investing partners would completely, uh, really remove the need for that extra $10,000 a month that, that you're projecting because you would have access to so much more than that just by having that experience and knowledge and knowing how to work with investing partners. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, uh, you know, it, it makes me realize my goal could potentially be achieved a lot sooner than, you know, yeah. uh, I have in mind. Right. So I, I thought two years, maybe I can yeah. even do it in a year. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll see. Right. We'll see. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I think going back to goal setting, I think, uh, when I mentioned, uh, you know, as my goal is too large, too big, is too small, uh, there are definitely different thoughts. And I've noticed that, you know, some people tend to do much better with like giant, goals where you know you you kind of know it's unachievable but you go for it anyways because you know even if you you know set a goal of like i want to get to you know a million right mm-hmm. um and you only get to like eight hundred thousand, for example you still got a lot further than if you had set your goal at like oh five hundred thousand uh because yeah. you know that's achievable so um yeah i think uh right, my, your your go ahead yeah i i have i have a second thought on that too um I think it comes down to a bit on what it is you actually enjoy doing because some people really enjoy real estate and that mm-hmm. is, you know, if you ask them what they're going to do, if they have all the money in the world, they're going to keep doing real estate because that's just what they enjoy doing. Right. So I think, I think it does kind of depend a bit on, um, where, what is your passion? Yeah. Because you're, um, you know, when you're talking about this type of thing, you're really becoming a, a real estate business owner and mm-hmm. you really got to enjoy all those aspects of running real estate. Uh, you know, do you, do you really enjoy finding deals? Do you find you enjoy finding partners? Do you enjoy working with contractors? You know, all those different right. things. You kind of need to be able to enjoy that if that's the thing that you're really going to expound into. Otherwise, if your passion is really in something else, I think you need to take into account that you're um, setting aside enough time to actually do what you enjoy doing as well. So, uh, someone who's really enjoys real estate, their goal might be to go to the moon with it because that's what they really enjoy doing. Whereas if your goal is to do other things and real estate is kind of how you're going to fund that, you know, you kind of need to put your time into, okay, you need a certain amount of time to do what you really are passionate about. And then a certain amount of time to hit your real estate goals in order to fund that. And I think those, um, uh, the measure of success isn't how much real estate you have. It's how much time are you spending doing the thing you really enjoy doing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If we can maybe dive a little bit into, you know, the actual goal. So I, I took that, you know, mm-hmm. goals. Uh, I mean, I will definitely uh, take your feedback and maybe adjust them a little, maybe 
think about the time frame a little differently but the way i have it now you know i took that 22000 a month right and i kind of yeah. started working backwards from there and i, yeah. I split yeah. my big two year goal and I split it into quarterly goals and I just chose numbers that seemed feasible, right? So I started with, mm -hmm. Hey, I have by the end of Q1 of 2023, I'll have this property, the other property. And my goal is at least one more deal in 20 in the Q1 of 2023. Uh, that should help my business generate about a thousand dollars a month in cash flow. Right. Um, and then I moved on from there. Q2. I mean, yeah, Q2. I want to double that. I want to then get, I, I already have what I have built in Q1. Come uh, and I want to grow on that. And so I want to get to 2000 a month by the end of Q2. Uh, and then Q3, I not only, uh, I, I didn't double it, but I went to 3.5. And then end of Q4, I went to about $6,000 a month in cash flow. Um, that I want my business to be producing. Um, when you, what are your thoughts on that approach of like, you know, uh, this is where I'm trying to get. So I break it down into smaller parts. Um, but I also kind of want to, uh, reflect on the numbers that I chose, right? I, I want to mm -hmm. make sure that I'm not thinking too small, but I'm also not, you know, I, I also want it to be somewhat achievable so that I'm, I'm not disappointed and I feel like I'm completely off track at the end of yeah. every quarter. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this this income that you're you're thinking about, you want it to be the residual, the residual income part of your deals. Yes. Uh, when you say residual, uh, residual, do you mean like I want the ca a... the cash flow? Yes, but Cause, I guess because you, uh... you quite often have like an, an earned income part. So if you do like a flip or a burr, there'll be like a cash out portion, which is kind of your earned mm -hmm. income for what you got for doing that job versus right. the cash flow that you get from it. Uh, yeah, those, so uh, you can kind of have both there. Got it. I think um, the way I thought about this is uh, it could be the monthly cash flow that I'm getting, or if I do a wholesale deal, that will count. If I flip a property, that will still count because in my mind, if I was able to generate, you know, X amount of dollars in a quarter, uh, you know, like, or every, you know, on a monthly basis, uh, and then I'm over able to replicate this over the quarters that I'm going through, right, uh, with my goals, yeah. then even if I quit my job, I should be able to continue doing those kind of things. I, I should be able mm -hmm. to continue wholesaling and flipping. And so uh, at that point in time, I, I should have the confidence and the knowledge to continue doing that. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of lumped all of it together. It's just looking at my business holistically because at the end of the day, I'm trying to get to quitting my job and financial freedom, right? So yeah. how, yeah, so that kind of leads into Another thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, I didn't, though my goals are specific on like how much cash flow or how much profit I want to make in my business, they don't really dictate how to get there, right? They don't say, hey, I'm going to, these are going to be uh, rental incomes or these are going to be wholesales or these are going to be flips. Um, I didn't specify. Um, they are measurable, they're time bound, but, and somewhat specific, but not does not dictate how I do that. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is, is that, uh, is that how you set your goals? Is that what you'd recommend? Or do I, do, would you recommend that I still go and break these down into exactly how I'm going to, um, generate this income? 
Yeah, I think I think it. Um, I think both of those things kind of intermesh. Thinking about mm-hmm. you know what's the dollar figure I'm looking at. Okay, what what's the strategy that matches those kind of figures? Yeah, um, are kind of things. You know, it's all part of that thought process of of coming coming up with an idea of okay, what's my next step that I need mm-hmm. to take that's going to take me on those things, and and like I said before, it's not so much that those are the exact steps that we, you will end up taking to get there. But going through that process will give you the step into what kind of property should you be looking for right now. And you never know when you're out looking for stuff what comes across your plate. You know, there's there's things that come up here and there and it's a great opportunity. But, you know, in order to find those, you kind of need to be out there looking and exposing yourself to those situations. And so I think the the thought process of figuring out what type of properties and how you think you might get there um, it like like all these things it's a mindset that you need to be continuously evolving and it, it, the more you practice it the more you won't even think that you realize that it's what you're doing um but i i think i think just breaking it down into dollar figures is just as important as breaking it down into okay what type of valley or property what type of strategy what areas the strategy work good in all those types of things are all part of that th- thought process of okay uh, tomorrow when you get up, what are what area are you going to type into into your realtor.ca yeah. and what type of property parameters are you going to look for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So I think yeah, uh, I would probably need to you know go through each of these and then you say even break it down to you know I will acquire one rental property and you know I will attempt one flip kind of or I'll I'll do yeah. one flip. There's no attempting, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And there's, and it, you know, different strategies kind of have different um, averages as far as, you know, what is their cash flow versus the full return? Um, You know, how long does it take to get that cash flow? Or, and so I I think I kind of break it down to like, how much a month and then how much for cash flow and how much do I want for earned income? What kind of strategies work with those ideas? What kind of markets? are those strategies good to, to do things in? For me, I haven't broken into a lot of strategies because, um, so I specialize in in rent to own. And basically I have a company where I look for people who are you know two to three years away from qualifying for a mortgage, send them yeah. to mortgage broker, figure out you know how much could they qualify for based on their income? What do they need to do their credit? Come up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we know what they qualify for, what they, um, how long is it going to take? Then we can structure a rent own idea around that. And then I send them out mm-hmm. shopping for houses. They find something they like, you know, if we can, if I can get a good, decent offer on it, accepted offer, and I look, find an investor and I partner with them on it. And that's kind mm-hmm. of how my system, that's my main, my main uh, strategy that I've uh, zeroed in on. And it kind of, it happened to work out that that strategy works very good in my local area. But you definitely don't want to uh, try to force a strategy on your area. If the strategy you need is not where you live, then maybe you need to look for strategies or look for outside of your market. Um, but going through the goal setting will really help you determine, you know, where is it I should invest? What should I be looking for? Yeah. That makes sense. And and, um, and what's the criteria? Because because there's always a, there's also a relationship between you know what's your ROI 
what's your cash flow versus how much time management time does it take? And that changes over time. You know, in the beginning, having that high cash flow, but also needing some a fair bit of management that goes along with that, you know, you'll take it because you're getting that higher cash flow. And then later on, once you have, you know, you've built up your capital reserves to the point where, you know, you can still live off a smaller ROI, but that ROA doesn't take hardly any of your time. And you start really getting your time back. Yeah. You know, it, it, start, it changes the type of property, probably the strategy that you're going for as you evolve from different ROI numbers and different management requirements and different time requirements for different deals. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's all important stuff to think through, but it also takes, you know, going back even earlier on, you know, you don't know what you don't know. That's where, right. you know, networking and talking to people that are doing it and finding out how these deals work, running numbers and just getting to understand, uh, the basics of, of, you know, single family rentals and, and right. short-term rentals and looking at multifamily rentals and what those characteristics are like, you know, it, it's a lot to learn and you kind of learn it over yeah. time and you don't want to get into your, uh, where you don't end up actually going and doing something. So at some point you do just need to go out and try it, Right. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of a balance. You need to, you need to do some planning, but you also need to get out there and just do stuff too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, in the very beginning of the podcast that you, you know, you were able to quit your job. Now you're doing real estate full time. Could you share a little bit about, you know, what your goals are for 2023 and, uh, you know, how you're thinking about them? Yeah. So, um, this year here, it, uh, like I mentioned, uh, I wasn't quite at the place where, uh, I was getting enough from real estate to live on, but I was yeah. close enough that I knew that if I, you know, I put some effort into it, I could get there relatively quickly. So we're just kind of hitting that threshold right now of uh, where it's basically um, re replacing my income kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so the goals for next year, uh, or basically what was holding me back was that um, before when I was doing a fairly low volume of deals where I was just doing a couple of years, it wasn't hard to find an investor. Like basically I spent most of my time finding a deal. Once I found a deal, a couple of days I had an investor and we yeah. would go do the deal. Um, this year when I started, uh, you know, bringing in a lot more deals, um, it was a couple months and all of a sudden I had three deals going at once and I was running out of investors because I didn't have a good enough system for bringing in, right. bringing in my partners. And so I, I kind of had to take a step back from, really focusing on getting deals and start building out my system for how am I going to get, uh, you know, learning to network and reaching out to people. And that was, that was what pushed me into, uh, the mentorship that I'm doing right now is, uh, setting up those systems for, for finding money partners and networking and all that kind of stuff. Um, so now that I've kind of got that figured out, my goals for next year is basically, I want to be, uh, facilitating, putting together two deals a month with my rent to own mm -hmm. products. Yeah. And, uh, basically it's just kind of, uh, that more than reaches my financial needs, mm -hmm. but it's definitely, uh, takes me to the spot where I can, um, it's definitely, I definitely think it's feasible. I definitely will be, have to work hard <laughs> Yeah, and there's still <laughs> some things I'm going to have to do that are going to push me out of my comfort zone. Um, but, uh, for me, uh, and you kind of mentioned it too, that you have 
a passion for building businesses. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I was always into inventing. That's what I always thought I was going to do. I liked coming up with ideas, build a project, and mm -hmm. and uh, that's kind of evolved into, uh, you know, I like the idea of building something R and D and then take it to market. So that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I think I will always do. And so the real estate thing is, you know, basically I want to set myself up financially so that I have the time and don't have the financial pressure of I can just go have fun making things and starting businesses around it. And the mindset shift, like before I, I started learning about real estate and business, it was a lot about, well, you know, I'll learn how to weld, I'll learn how to machine, I'll learn how to work with all these different things and I'll do it all myself. And now mm -hmm. my focus has turned into, you know, I'll find people that know how to do this. I'll find people that know how to do right. that. I'll find people that know how to do that and <laughs> we'll have a team. <laughs> so the vision yeah. has definitely changed in how it, how it would happen. But uh, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of where my, um, where my passion leads me. And with real estate, I recognize that the things that it takes to be successful, the business learning and the, ma the, the managing, all those types of things are what I need to know in order to do those other things that I want to do. So I take it, the real estate as a bit of a challenge, even though it's not necessarily my, my passion, but I know that I'm going to learn things that I need to learn. And so that's definitely one of my drivers in pushing to the next levels. Not so much that I need the money, but I want the I want the experience and the knowledge of how to run something like that. Yeah. And so that's probably one of my biggest pushes uh, for next year is that I want to be able to run a business like that that has a certain number of people that I need to manage, a certain yeah. volume of stuff going on all the time, and learning how to put all those pieces together and, and make it sale. Um, and I think Robert Kiyosaki talks about that a bit where, you know, when you're looking for jobs, don't necessarily look for a job that makes a certain amount of money, but has the skills that you, that you'll yeah. learn the skills that you need from it. Right. And uh, that's kind of way I'm looking at this too, is that I'm definitely, I want to learn this certain set of skills and, um, and the two, the two deals a month. I know lots of people that do that. I know people that have blown that out of yeah. the water. So it's definitely not a crazy one, mm -hmm. but it's definitely one that I'll have to push for right. for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we have to wrap up soon here. So before mm -hmm. I let you go, uh, I'd like to ask you, you know, people that are getting started in real estate investing, um, do you have any tips or advice for them to get started to, you know, um, you know, go get that first deal or even, you know, I don't know where to begin, right? Like, do you have tips for them? Yeah, I think that the the first thing is kind of determining, are you the person who wants to be doing the deal? Do you want to be managing everything? Do you want to be finding the deal? Like, is that what you enjoy? Um, or, you know, are you at a point where you don't have money? So it's just the time that you can, you can, you know, your time is what you have to offer to the deal. Um, then if you're going to do that, then you're going to want to get into education, learning how to do the deal, find mentors, all that kind of stuff to run the business side of real estate. But, you know, most of that is basically you're educating yourself to the point where you can have a high value skill so that you can take that money and become this, the investing partner on deals. So if, if that's kind of not really your thing, you know, if you already have a decent job or there's something else you want to do that you can turn into a high value skill, there's not necessarily that you need to make real estate your high value skill. You can also find other things to do. But you need to find a high value skill where you're making enough money that you have that extra money that you can put into investments. And uh, when 
when it comes to real estate investing, if you don't necessarily have a passion for actually doing real estate, the work behind real estate, and you want to just have enjoy the, the investment part of it, then it just comes down to networking. You reach out to people that you know that do real estate and, you know, look for people that you feel like you can work with. Yeah. And, you know, you have, you know, just like any relationship, it's really important to make sure you have solid goals and you have, you know, when it comes to time to make a decision that you can work together uh, with your, you know, have similar goals in mind so that you come up with a similar output that works for both people. Um, I think that's, it's important to make sure you find the right partner, but you definitely need, you know, get out there, network with investors, find somebody that you could partner with who's going to do the work for the deal. And, you know, you trust their expertise and, and their, and, uh, their ability to do the job and become their, their money partner. You know, you can do the thing that you enjoy and finance the project. So it's basically those two different steps. Do you want, you have to kind of decide, do you want to be the one who's doing the work or do you want it to be the one that's just finance, financing yeah. the deals? And that'll kind of determine, you know, do you need to go for education first or mm -hmm. are you going to go? do you need to just find people that are educated? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, before I let you go, um, is there a place if people want to follow you on social media, uh, where can they find you? Uh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, at the Northern investor mm -hmm. is, uh, on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. Just look up Timothy Seabrook. Um, those are kind of my main, my main connections right now. I have a, I have a YouTube channel, but I don't think I have any videos on it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So if people yeah. want to reach out to you, would you recommend they go on Instagram and find you there? Instagram, Instagram is uh, definitely where I have more, more of my investing content. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm on LinkedIn as well, but uh, I think that was, I haven't updated that too much. It's mostly still related to my piloting yeah. uh, flying career, um, but I am on Instagram as well. And I think it, it's just my name, Timothy Seabrook. Awesome. Yeah. This was uh, an awesome uh, episode. I learned a lot from you. Thank you so much for joining us and, you know, sharing your knowledge. Uh, and I definitely uh, look forward to, you know, w watching you, um, you know, go after your goals in 2023. I'll be following mm -hmm. you on Instagram. And so watching that journey. So thanks again for joining yeah. us. Yeah, no problem. It was, it was a pleasure. All right. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would really help my mission of teaching more people about real estate investing. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.